Say What? Say What Radio Show. With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. And welcome to the Say What Show. It's February 19th, 2022, in the midst of the most amazing <laughs> international events, cosmic events that um, even in my great imagination I had not anticipated. We have a good show lineup. We've got um, myself, Nancy Hopkins, Walt Silva, Dolly Howard, Yasmin West, and Bob West. And um, I'm just going to turn it over to uh, Dolly and say, Dolly, how are you feeling? You, you, you're feeling a little stronger, I'm hoping. Wait a minute, I got you guys uh, muted, I think. Yes, I do. Hold on one. There you go. There you go, Dolly. Sorry about that. Dolly? I was feeling really good this morning. I thought, oh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then this afternoon, I took one hell of a a backwards turn. My whole right side just kind of went away and almost passed out. And so I've been laying down and I'm feeling a little better again. It's just up and down, up and down, up and down now. But at least it's up and down. It's not just straight old awful. <laughs> so that's the only way I know how to answer that question. Well, you answered it. Thank you. <laughs> I just wish you'd get over this and get strong again. You know, it's disconcerting but me too i'm tired of it yeah but at least there's a little improvement huh or periodically yes, yes. an improvement oh, yes uh, so <laughs> um walt how are you doing oh very good thank you um we've had a uh, very windy up here cold and windy so i don't know if that's a uh, I didn't bother dowsing it if, if it was real. I mean, if it was a man-made or natural, but it was a, some major wind blowing yesterday. Oh, you're such a conspiracy like, buff. It's I'm just, such a conspiracy it's, buff. It's just, it's just, it's just <laughs> the old man in the in the in the in the uh, clouds blowing wind. That's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it <laughs> I is. I mean, hey, they told us that. We believed that for a while, didn't we? Oh, there's some old man up yeah. there blows wind. <laughs> I mean, I did or when the I man was a kid. The moon. Yeah, the man, the moon. Yeah, right. right. Little did we know how much, <laughs> how real that was. I know, I know, I know. For those that don't know, the moon is made of metal. <laughs> it's not exactly natural. Got a hollow interior. Was a Death Star. I was. I was so hoping it was made of cheese, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, we're laughing about this, but what's happening in the real world is is even crazier. Yasmin, Bob, how are we doing? Well, uh, we're uh, just uh, watching the show with our with our jaws to the ground. <laughs> so. the, the the latest update from out here, and Nancy, you'll get this name correct because I never do, but according to all science. We have hit the same conditions as the Anas, Anas, 
Dazi Anaste people did like 1,200 years ago and abandoned the southwest United States because the place was too dry and too hot. <laughs> so we'll see how many people leave. <laughs> okay, so you still got the problem there? Oh, yeah. Don't let anybody kid you. It, it's so deep that they're comparing it to the mass migration of Native Americans that happened around what we call 800 P.C., when uh, they abandoned places like uh, Tuzagut and uh, oh, Montezuma's Castle and a, a number of other large cities. Keiko because Canyon. Because it was the water. Keiko there was Canyon. no water. It was, yeah. it was too hot. And it's going to be 76 here today. I think it's going to be like 76 here today. And you're so in, you're you're nice. in north you're in northern California, right? The snow's already melting on the Sierras. It's not good. Wow. <laughs> so is yeah, is we, the, is we the could eagle, use another eagle storm? <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. So the eagle. Um, well, I suppose the eagle can't. Well, I don't know. We should ask Walt. He's sitting here, but um, it may be that the eagle can demonstrate its power but can't maintain it if there are you know natural events happening that is changing the weather patterns i mean it's like you say this is that was one of the well that was the primary reason why they completely vacated keiko canyon which is right where the uh, um i i'm I, I now you got me confused anastasi yes anastasi <laughs> no it's anastasi that's the Anazasi. And the thing is that that's what science says. Oh, they left because it was too cold and it's too dry. Well, really, you don't have any inform- you don't have any actual solid evidence that that's the reason that they uh, uh, surmise that's the reason why they left. Uh, there was nobody. I mean, we don't do we have any uh, anybody that was there with a video camera recording where they left? I mean, now that we know uh, so much how much of our history is isn't even real because it's all been doctored um we don't know the, the, these people could have had an emergency and and they were transposed out of here uh by uh alien civilizations i mean like for example uh with with the mayas they vacated an entire city and they and they and they came up with all kinds of theories of death and sickness and all it turns out there they went out of planet and I, I was more surprised to I, I found this out before I even came across the information from uh, presenters okay. and just, investigators just, just for clarity you yeah. said Mayan but isn't sure. it the, the um, group before the Mayan the oh, um, oh I can't even think of their names it wasn't the Mayans it was the groups a group before the Mayan that you're referencing right no I'm talking about the Mayas in, in Yucatan Okay. I, I was astounded when, because he, um, Wilcock, now I remember, Wilcock is the one who spoke about it, uh, but months before he even spoke about it, you remember people would write to me and ask me to do shamanic journeys. And you remember that I explained that uh, in, in, the, in the shamanic tradition, the earth is the only planet that has three timelines, the lower world, 
the middle world where supposedly we are right now and the upper world which is where we find our guides so uh, i was as I, as i was instructed by the men who uh, guided me on this uh the upper world is where you go to meet your guides so okay so as i was doing the the journeys i got used to uh going into the upper world to speak to people's guys and ask you know uh, what what help their charge needs but i was surprised when i one time the first, the very first time it happened i was surprised i guess the other times i wasn't that surprised because i knew from jim self years ago that the earth was a parking lot with with so many ships around it now we can't see them because obviously they're a different density and plus they have shielding and another far superior technology so it's not like you can look up and actually see them but according to him it was like uh standing room only there were so many ships and i had a like a lucid dream about that and but i just let it go because okay i thought well, it was interesting uh, i was so surprised when i did a shamanic journey and as i as i'm going up into the upper world i kept going up and i said wait wait a minute what is what's going on why am i still going up and then i realized i was in on earth orbit and that's when I, the first time i went in, in, into a ship and that was the first time i had an experience that uh i had to watch out not to let uh, the shanghai do whatever it wanted because it 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 affects the uh, the ability of the ship to control itself because of the thing that it does it 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 affects uh uh counter you know a counterclockwise uh fields so uh, you know that was a learning experience but after i got used to seeing that that people's guides were in ships in orbit i was surprised that uh, i did a journey for a lady uh, and she had questions of her guides and to my surprise uh, on on this particular journey the ship looked like the entrance to a, a mayan temple and the the guides they looked like mayan people but instead of having you know the traditional garb of a of mayan priest or or something akin to that uh, they were dressed in these metallic suits uh, the only skin exposed was their faces uh so okay i'm not going to overreact because i'm seeing you know my and people in space i said okay you know it's it's a shamanic journey so i guess things take an appearance based on their energies whatever so they uh, they let me ask the questions then i was able to relay those answers to the guy uh, to the person and i thought okay that's really interesting experience you know to see these people in in orbit and then like uh one or two months later uh, uh the david wilcock does uh, a lecture uh where uh, uh cory good went into the um I, one, this inner earth kind of thing and then he met different groups and the thing was they had a, a reptilian in custody and the people that were looking over the reptilians were these mayan uh, astronauts and he described them the way that i saw them uh with with these metallic suits and they were and they were keeping guard over this over this entity and i thought 
what? There really is such a thing as, uh, you know, Mayan, uh, you know, space people. And it turns out that at some point in their history, enough Mayans were transposed out of the planet. So they continued their evolution into a spacefaring civilization while on Earth, you know, the conquistadors went over to Mexico and destroyed everything. So I don't know, and maybe the, the point of this whole long story is that w could that have been the fate of the Anasazi, that a, a group of them were transposed out of the planet because of, I don't know, so, of some could have been a, some plan or maybe to protect them from the conquistadors, I don't know. But there's so much that we don't know. Our history has been so doctored and altered and covered up that... Really, they they left because it was hot and it was dry. It, it's a it's a nice it's a, a sensible explanation. It makes sense on on several fronts, but I don't think that's the ultimate answer. But this again, this is just my personal opinion based on experiences. That that's it. Back well, to you. Well, my experience <laughs> my experience with them is that um, I I had one of those situations where I went to the Anastasi, lived with them in, in an incarnation. And what I took away from them, and I, I, I remoted it a few times, but they extremely spiritual people. It was also a hub of great trade. It was much bigger than what people think. They think of Keiko Canyon and they see these rooms and a little house it's almost like a house built into the cliffs and stuff but it was actually much greater than that and they've detected a road it was huge like six lanes of you know highway like we would see here it was huge huge and they had indications of deep south american um things like uh macaws and and other i, I can't even remember i remember the macaw because i had one once but that they found in, in you know, Keiko Canyon in that area. So it, 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 we don't know very much about it. I mean, it was an amazing civilization, very, very spiritual. And it, it's true, we don't, we don't know, it's not just that we don't know our history. We don't know the, the we, we have not been, it's been not taught to us what the potentials are. Because, yes, they may have just disappeared. There's a lot of different civilizations that seem to have disappeared. But did they disappear or did they do some kind of an ascension type of thing where they went to a different frequency where they could be still there, but we don't see them? You know, well, that's, that, uh, you know who speaks on that at, at length? Drumbala uh, Melchizedek. And uh, the last book that I read from him was The uh, Serpent of Light. And that's exactly what they encountered because he they went to a site uh, somewhere in Arizona, and uh, the uh, because he's always traveling around and going to all of this, but he's always being guided where to go and what to do. So they went to this uh, like ruins, like a where you have um the, what do you call these things um. The kivas that they were made by uh, certain uh, uh, native groups. They had these things that looks like a 
it looks like a like a crater. It looks like a like a, a hole dug into the ground, and yeah, you go that, down the stairs. Yeah, that's the Anastasi. That's the Anastasi. Okay. Well, he went to a, a play a part a, where they had that, and the reason they were guided him and his group to go there is because there were a group of natives that were stuck. It was like um. In order to protect themselves, that he he did not elaborate what they were protecting themselves from, but they chose it was like a semi ascension where they they chose a, a a shift in density. So instead of being in third density, they would be in fourth density. So essentially, they were not physically here because they were they had moved into fourth density. But the problem was. It wasn't like a global fourth density. It was like a pocket. So they were literally stuck there. They they could not evolve out of that because it was like a pocket, a dimensional pocket. So they did this meditation thing and they were able to release all these people because essentially they were not considered dead because they had bodies. It's just that they were not here on the at the time of the writing of the book. You know, he's saying, you know, about talking about regular third dimension, they were not here on third dimension, they were on fourth dimension, but like a like a subset of it. So they actually have to, they did their meditation work, whatever it was that they did, in order to liberate these people, because they were stuck. Their evolutionary, speaking in terms of evolution, they were literally stuck there. They went there to protect themselves and ended up getting stuck in there. So, so very, Bob, very interesting. So, Bob, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, nice. To point out that that you know, as far as, as far as most people learn, that all these people abandoned because of the lack of water and, and uh, temperatures. And I wanted to encourage anybody that might know somebody in California that maybe you should tell them to get the heck out of the state, you know, or Arizona or New Mexico. And, and that would really help us out out here, those of us that are remaining. Isn't that the philosophy of the of the cabal? Get rid of all the excess people so the, the ones remaining are, are going to have a good time? <laughs> I'm just looking out for the best interests of my, my land. Um, fascist, I, fascist. It has nothing to do with how I feel about people. It just it's how I feel about my golden state. I want to keep it that way. <laughs> uh, well, but I've heard that there is a tremendous amount of water deep underneath the state. Is that anything you've heard of? People have been doing uh, injection systems, and there's plenty of water underneath the state. Most of the water problems are political, um, but you know we'll we'll get over that. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, I'll just do a quick one here because Yasmin's got something pretty important to talk about. But um, I want to give a shout out to the most woke city on the planet and tell them, I mind you all, hold your breath, congratulations. And that is to the city of San Francisco, which has failed me in every way since I was born there. Um, they managed to oust three members of their school board this week because they're so freaking woke. It's horrifying. And the parents and the people can't stand it. And when the three school board members were ousted, 
the political standing that they had was we were ousted by the white supremacists in San Francisco. Well, congratulations, because that city is 95% Democrat. So I guess the 5% of the city managed to somehow get 83% of the vote and oust them. <laughs> wow. So this is, that's miraculous. It is. I mean, that's beyond is. science fiction. It is. It is the first sign of hope we've had in this state politically since Reagan. Well, it might be the first <laughs> one that was legal and not right. fraud. They, you know, I mean, think about it. If you've got a small city, it's going to be a lot more difficult to control what's happening there, especially because these people are so brain dead and stupid that they right. don't well, anticipate the worst. They San keep Francisco saying, is the city of 700,000. Yeah, <laughs> much easier to have a free election there than, than you know, in an actual one. We found that out. Yep, yep. But anyway, a shout out to them. And then Yasmin's got something that she's been uh, talking about to me for two days. So <laughs> once she's talked to you about it, then I won't have to hear about it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, Yasmin, well, you're up. Yeah, I just wanted to go um, back to that video clip I sent you on Heather McDonald, the comedian who collapsed on stage after making that joke <laughs> about being, um, you know, double-vax, triple-vax, boosted, shingle shots, and everything. Um I wanted to kind of banter a little bit and maybe get Walt's opinion on, um, you know, because I also listened to the Nalia Benz podcast and she was talking about something about being in this energy of self-righteousness and how it's not good either way. So if you're self-righteous that you got the shot, that's not good. Or if you're self-righteous because you didn't get the shot, you're, you're still kind of in that self-righteous energy that could be not good. And for Bob and I, I mean, we've both witnessed people that were kind of in that energy and saying, you know, I'm not going to get the shot and blah, blah, blah. And then they catch COVID and they actually die. <laughs> so we, we have heard of a couple of people like that. And then it was interesting if you watch the video clip of her, you know, she's doing this, routine where she's I mean it, it was mind-blowing I thought that as soon as she says you know clearly God or Jesus loves me and then she just passes out on stage I so anyway I just wanted to chat a little bit about that and get your thoughts on it well um I'm trying to remember what video that is. I just don't seem to have it up. So put, put, it, put, put it in chat, but we'll get it in chat. Um, oh, I have it. I'll okay. do it. Yeah, put it in chat. Um, when, okay, so... Did uh, she die? No. No, she didn't. And oh. as a matter of fact, she was talking to Dr. Drew. What's Dr. Drew's last name? Dr. Drew <laughs> Peterson, maybe? But anyway... She was talking to him, and um, she she well she cl the the whole clip is very interesting in that that comedian uh, Sajit 
What's his name? Bob Saget? Oh, oh Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Saget. Bob Saget. Saget, okay. That he was found dead in his hotel room. And when they did the autopsy, they found out that he had, like, blunt force trauma to his, his head. And that everything in the, the brain was, you know, it was, it's a hor- horrendous, you know, discussion of what was happening, to, what happened to him. So they considered it an accident because there was no indication of foul play or anything, but they thought that he had somehow hit his head and then got in the bed and Wait, died. wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't it that, isn't the rule of law that if you go to the hospital with a gunshot wound or it's COVID automatically, no questions asked? Oh, he had COVID, but he also had had... Oh. Okay. He, he also had had the uh, full vax, uh, vax, what do they call it, up booster shots. And he had had mm-hmm. one three weeks before that. Okay, so three weeks before that, and, and uh, Dr. Drew confirmed for this woman that, in fact, the response from the booster shots where you have this, it's like an intense fainting. It's like, boom, you're out. And, I mean, I actually, okay, so I was looking for it because I knew what had happened, and I was looking for it, and I did detect that she was having a problem just before she collapsed. Um, But she was so well-versed in in her monologue that she kept going, but I could see that she was having some kind of a, a situation occurring already, but when she went down, she dropped like a bomb. Boom! I mean, she was down. She cracked her skull too. But she, there was a doctor that jumped up on the stage, said, "I'm a doctor," and they got her out of there and into the hospital. And but, but her symptoms. They read the symptoms that she had, and read the ones of that uh, Sajid died from, and they were the same thing. So then, the, then the conversation went into. Um, well, what about all these strange accidents that are happening? Are these people passing out at the wheel? Is anybody doing a study to see if they had gotten the booster before that? And um, I think I think it, I, I, maybe it was I don't even remember who did this, who did this show, but it was, he was very good, and he was saying that you know we have these reports, but nobody is looking down the, at what we should be. Every the concept of science is that you somebody tells you something and then you say, well, let me you prove it or I'll prove it. I'm going to ask you questions. We're going to challenge it and we're going to watch it for years. But in this case, they haven't done any of that, and they're not looking at everything concerning what is happening to people in regards to how far along they've had the vaccination or the boosters. So, the booster same boosters. Hey, Nancy, what's really kind of weird here is you mentioned Bob Saget, right? Yeah. And he had he had COVID yep. when he died. Yep. So, like Walt said, why didn't he die from COVID? Well, Walt, you just hit a really incredible nail on the head there because the CDC did not allow you, if you had anything to do with COVID, you had to be listed as COVID death <laughs> up until... I guess Bob Saget, because the family requested of the coroner's office to immediately box the autopsy report. In other words, to file it so that no one could see it. And the information that we have at this point 
is all non-autopsy report because the autopsy report has been sealed. The comment on Saget was that he died from head trauma, exactly as you said, Nancy. But the comment that's coming out now from a person that was supposedly with the coroner is he died of multiple head traumas. And if we were following the CDC guidelines that don't allow you to talk about COVID side effects, those same guidelines would require him to be a COVID death because he died with COVID, at least if you wanted the money up until this point. But I guess nobody needs the money anymore. So he just died. No, I think that they're skewing it the other way now. Even if people well, have... the last 24 hours then. They don't okay. want they don't want people to know that even though you've had the vaccination, you're still get catching the COVID. We we know well, that they've had to admit it to a point, but I think that that because I, I wondered about that, I said, no, this is it's it, it, they they've changed their narrative the way that they're presenting it. Now they now no the vaccinate it's the unvaccinated that are dying. You see, well we know that, but the. The CDC is not going to allow you to put something on a form that makes it look like they've been lying this far. <laughs> because when you've been lying for two years, you don't tell the truth. You keep lying. <laughs> it's, that's Boy, that's the name of the game out there. Well, so, um, so with all this mountain of lying, how are we supposed to know how an ancient civilization left the planet? <laughs> Truth. Well, I mean, I, am I exaggerating? <laughs> no, all I all I would say to that Walt is that there there is obviously neither good evidence for either one of them, but both of them are possible because if you've, <laughs> you've been to the if you've been to the Hopi reservation, you know those people have talked to people not from this planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know something else: the genetics between the Hopi. And um, the uh, Russian people in Siberia is identical. And if you take pictures of both of the of the groups, you'll see a similarity in physical uh, appearance. Well, except for the ones that intermixed, um, they're definitely different from the Navajo that surround them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the earliest people. I, I saw a program on DNA, and they followed the DNA. Uh, there was this doctor that was all over the world doing humanitarian stuff, and he was keeping uh, blood samples from all over the world. And then a protege of his took it after he died and did, because it was much, they had, now they had DNA uh, testing, and he started doing DNA testing on it. And they were able to follow from the uh, African tribe area where they think that humanity started. And following the DNA, they could see the markers where something changed, like in the genetics. They're following the genetics. But then they would follow the genetics and find that at times the humanity split. Some of them went south into Australia. Some of them went north into uh, all the way to Siberia. It's fascinating, fascinating. But at the end of it, you know, it was like, we all have the same DNA. There's just these arbitrary changes in the DNA that give us something because of the environment that we're in. And, uh, you know, you can't even think about racism when you see a show like that. And I saw it on PBS, oh, probably 
30 years ago. Just when, after they started getting the DNA. Maybe it wasn't 30 years ago, but I bet it was. And, it's, it's, and, and I've never been able to find it again. It was like probably one of those things where they went, whoops, you know. This well, the, uh, the, the uh, natives in Australia, they have blood groups M and N. We don't have blood that blood those blood we have A, you have B, you have A B, you have O, you have the, you know the known blood groups. The natives in Australia you have group M and N. Wow, that's so that, where, where did they come from? <laughs> Very interesting. And apparently there was a land bridge to Australia that you know, when they were talking about this genetics things, it was like, well, how'd they get there? And then, you know, they found out. Then they go off and they tell you about this. They found that there is a land bridge that's just under the ocean, that in different ocean environment it would have been on the surface. Okay, so what what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob Saget and I, the I mystery. Yeah, Heather McDonald, and just uh, tying that back into Nalia Benz's message about self-righteousness and being in that frequency and how... Um, so what did Nalia say? What was she talking about? Did, did, just explain a little more about what, she, what you understood her to say. Or we could read it yeah. if you want. Um, well, I, I don't know exactly where it is. Cause I mean, she's been talking about it, you know, over a few of her podcasts, but, um, basically, uh, she's saying, you know, how she put it exactly. Um, basically, you know, you don't want to be in the self-righteous energy where you feel like you're better than somebody else who made a different decision. So, you know, if you're vaccinated and you're shaming the unvaccinated or vice versa, that that could cause a frequency imbalance in you and um, could cause problems with everything that's going on. Um, so definitely if you got the shot and you're bragging about it, <laughs> Like, like Heather McDonald was on stage. Um, it, it just when you watch the video, it, it's very odd that it happened at that exact moment. And well, um, it makes perfect sense because you know, Leah's constantly. In fact, she had that thing where for she was asking people that if they could do it for as long. First, it was a month, but then for as long as possible to repeat that affirmation. All my bodies and my soul are raising their frequency. And just all day long, keep repeating that mentally or in a slow voice and or a high voice. So he, she's really focused on that business of frequency because she says that's where the split is happening. So if you're entertaining that kind of thought forms of righteousness, that's very low frequency. You're you're dropping your, your frequency. Therefore, you're throwing yourself into the low frequency part of the split so it makes sense that she would speak out against it and and caution people don't entertain these notions because it's dropping your frequency uh one of the the number one consequence of dropping your frequency is 
being opening yourself to any kind of ailment and it doesn't have to be COVID. it could be anything because that's 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 what low frequency uh emotional states do will it will uh, lower your immune system so yes her, her explanation makes sense yeah and i i read a book a while back it's called uh power versus force um it's by oh, hawkins is the author and um in the book they have um a vibrational scale and you know fear is way towards the bottom there and um from the very start of this pandemic i i don't know i i just kind of had an intuitive sense that you know whatever <laughs> if we were afraid of this thing it was going to affect us but if we were not afraid and just practice some caution some reasonable caution but not getting into a huge panic I, I felt like those people would be perfectly fine. And um, I, I've always felt that this thing is highly tied to frequency and our state of mind. Um, so, you know, the lower thoughts like fear, um, self-righteousness, um, anger, um, those are all emotions we want to stay away from right now. So... Jan, Jan Jan points out that Sajid didn't die in the hospital, so they can't get money for his death. <laughs> oh, so that's why he's not listed as a COVID death. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There, there's the answer. Thank you, Jan. There's the answer. There's no money in. No. Nope. Because that poor guy down where you live in Florida that went endoed on his motorcycle certainly died of COVID. <laughs> he was on the news. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, um, okay, so, the, so you, is there something else that you guys had? I'm, I'm good. We're good. <laughs> okay, I have... Um, no, no, wait. Oh, Dolly, okay, go ahead, Dolly. They didn't tell us... Uh, they didn't tell us about the uh, owl place. The, uh, Bohemian Grove. Oh, Bohemian the woods, Grove. The, yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll start the story, and then I'll, I'll let uh, Bob finish it up. <laughs> um, so we had, um, I, I had known about Bohemian Grove ever since I was a teenager, because I grew up in the Bay, Bay Area, and I've always entertained the conspiracy theories and all that. So um, I had known about that place. Um but Bob had never heard of it. And we, we, it was a new year's. We went down and we rented a, a nice little uh, cabin getaway. And um, they had a map inside the little cabin, which we were staying in. And it showed on the map, you know, where we were, where our area was and like some of the surrounding areas. And then on the map, it showed Bohemian Grove. And I'm like, oh, my God, where are you? <laughs> Bohemian Grove is, like, right around the corner from where we're staying. And so Bobby is like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, you haven't heard of this place? Oh, my God. Um, it's 
this like where all these presidents go, all these secret meetings and supposedly nefarious activities go on and 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 it's like heavily guarded. You can't even get up anywhere near the place. And you know, he thought I was completely nuts. Um, so I looked it up. So he looked it up. <laughs> so so I, I looked it up and I went, I went, okay, she's not nuts. The place has been around since the turn of the century before this one, and it's been this place where like Mark Twain Twain and, and she's right, presidents and senators and governors have gone on the weekends. And there have never been, pay attention to this, folks, never been any female members in the Bohemian Grove Club. However, comma, that doesn't mean that women weren't present. Uh, they were probably present. They were probably dancing. They were probably dancing around the fire naked for the guys. And it looks like it was probably volunteer in most cases because we've met people that have actually worked there. And they won't talk about what they did, but they were girls and they were performers. So put two and two together and it kind of makes sense. So anyway, she tells me about this place and I'm reading the 16 odd scrolls on Wikipedia, you know, looking at it. And I said, well, let's go. And I'm like, never one to miss a challenge, right? And I said, no way. (laughs) I said, get in the car, throw down, put your money where your mouth is. Let's go. So we did. We, we, we drove from Cazadores to this place, which was, I don't know, seven, eight minutes. And it was really kind of hard to find. And it's in a place that kind of floods, and it's, it's the whole thing's really odd, but it is just like 40 minutes north of San Francisco if you had to take And there a, were a helicopter landing area. Yeah, there was a helicopter landing site right next door to the thing. I mean, it, it obviously had a presence, but when you pull up to the fence gate area, it looks like any county park in the United States. It's got some wooden posts, a little gatehouse, you know, and a lamp. And she's talking about a huge parking lot out in the middle of nowhere. And it, it's a kind of, it looks kind of run down and you kind of look at it. And then uh, if you stop for a second, this is where I come in and you kind of look a little further, you start to notice some very odd things, strategically placed rocks and trees. And so once I noticed that something was kind of odd and the rock looked funny, then I went and looked at it. And of course there was uh, motion detect sensors in the rocks infrared cameras, infrared sensors. Um, so I did what any natural red-blooded American boy would do. I tripped one <laughs> that was behind a bunch of other ones just to see who would show up. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, a pretty new Ford Bronco or Explorer or whatever the hell the thing was immediately, immediately showed up with a couple of dudes and they go, what's going on? <laughs> I went, and I, I ran back to the car. <laughs> she ran back to the car. I said, nothing. I just got out to stretch. Why? Where am I? You know, and oh, you can't be here and you're on private property and blah, 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 blah. And I've been a I've been a professional security officer in the state of California for a total of eleven years. I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> they weren't they couldn't arrest me. And so uh so we left it at that point. Um, figuring that this was probably a good time and I'd gotten away with everything I could have gotten away with. <laughs> so we, we didn't get past the gate, but <laughs> it was an adventure. <laughs> so you couldn't join the orgy after all. That no. was so sad. It probably, yeah, so sad. That's how I felt. Okay, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, um, 
my story with the Bohemian Grove, I write about in Cosmic Reality, and, you know, it's a really pretty good book, tells a lot of stories, and you can get the free PDF on uh, CosmicReality.com. Just go to the books and blogs and click on the books and blogs, and you can just, you know, read it online or download it. Um, but my experience with the Bohemian Grove, I was in the reserves. I, was, I had been in active duty. I was in the reserves. I was in a weekend. Once a month, you had to go to a weekend uh, meeting. And one of the um, master sergeants there, I was a, a captain at that time, but he was a master sergeant, and he said to me, walks up to me, and he says to me, I think you would like this book. And he handed me this little pamphlet. And it said Bohemian Grove, and I, I'm looking at him, going like, "Why did what? What's this about?" You know? And he just said, I, "I just think that you would like the information." And I don't ever remember having much of a, you know, kind of conspiracy type of conversation with him or anything, but that was on Bohemian Grove, and that's how I got introduced to it. And it was like a hundred pages, I think, and it 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 was like. I, I, it was such a, a mind-bending concept that you had all the most important people for over a hundred years, for all the most important people in government, industry, entertainment. Bob Hope was, was there. Um, would go out to the Redwood area, next you know, forty miles outside of San Francisco, and do this retreat thing. It was just amazing to me that, you know, it, it just never occurred to me that, that there was that much organization throughout such a large, different type of, or, you know, organizations. It just, you know, was profound. And the numbers, he gave a lot of details. All this was public knowledge. He just put it together. He was a professor doing some kind of a research project. So what, what I took away from it, the, the most difficult thing to kind of get a grasp of, because it was the first time I ever confronted this, was that they actually are doing some kind of a spiritual ceremonial thing. And the key idol that they are worshipping, and I mean worshipping, is the owl. And that's about all that anybody knew at that time. This was written, you know, in the 70s. That's all anybody knew was that they worshipped the owl, and it was like, you know, yeah, that's what they do, you know. But if this was true, this was, first off, an organization that was much more organized, much more profound, that was also really weird, <laughs> you know. And um, I, I, I want to ask you guys, you were there, you were on the grounds, and obviously they're still maintaining something there. What was the energy? So I didn't like it at all. <laughs> she didn't like it. I didn't care for it. But the one the, the the girl we talked to that we met who was a she's what what I call a fire dancer. Um, so she spins uh, batons of fire or swords or whatever it happens to be. And at no time talking to her about Bohemian Grove did I ever sense for one moment that she felt threatened. So, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She talk wouldn't about say it. anything. She wouldn't say anything more to me than I would have said to her, which was nothing, as far as what we saw. You know, I mean, I've told you more today about what happened when I was there than I told her. 
And all she told me was that she had worked there, which means she wasn't staff. She wasn't a visitor. She had to be a performer because that's the girl's only role there. And she said that she would go back in heartbeat. So that. Yeah, they probably did. I mean, that's not the way, that's not their modus operandum of those people that get involved in all that. You know, right, you can't they, have Bob Hope going somewhere that, you know, like an Epstein situation. You're not going to, you're not going to have professionals. Out. They don't want professionals. They yeah. want innocence. And she was a professional, so they would have let, all those professionals probably thought it was the best gig in town. Right, because they would have been treated real well. Probably paid well, too. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they wouldn't give you, and, and you know, <laughs> there's an awful lot of people that know a lot of things that, you know, they just don't, they won't reveal. I don't know what it is that threatens them or if they're not courageous or they just are, you know, sheeples. I don't know what it is. Well, I can, I can bespeak to that. So I've been in three situations where I was asked to help somebody out and I couldn't necessarily say how fast the item was going that I was standing on, even though today it, it might actually be public knowledge through the Freedom of Information Act, but I don't know that for sure. So I would never discuss it. Um, and, and those, yeah, three cases were incredibly rare. And here I am at 58 years of age. I doubt the United States is going to want me to do anything like that again. Um, but, you know, 30 years ago, if somebody said, hey, you want to take a boat ride, snap some pictures and not say anything um, and we'll feed you and it will be really cool. But you're not getting paid for it and you got nothing else going. What do you say? Sure, I'll go. What do I got to do? You got to keep your flipping mouth shut for the rest of your life. OK. <laughs> I'll go. I'm good. <laughs> so there are some things so, that drive people. So you would not release a secret? No, not that, not, not at that level. No way. Uh-uh. Because see, I'm sorry. Same level. <laughs> because I'm one of those people that I'll tell you anything I knew. And did from the get-go. I was always forgetting what was secrets. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a guest. I was made cleanly aware of what wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> no, I... All the time. I mean, but... So what, what motivates you to keep the secret? Just because told, somebody told you, or do they threaten you, or what, or you're honor-bound to keep the secret? It's pretty, much, it's pretty much on the honor. So I was... I can tell you... I can tell you the background of it. I was working at Bear Island Naval Base. I was working for a nonprofit organization. We were taking military craft, and we were fixing them for youth training programs, and we were fixing them up for museums. And at that time, the United States Navy was not digital, and they didn't have photographers and media people all over the place. And when they did certain types of testing, they would hire film crews and they would hire professional photographers, or sometimes they would look around and ask people, and I just happened to be a professional photographer at the time, and they said, 
uh, what kind of camera do you use, blah, 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 blah. And they would give you the film and you would go for a ride. And then before you got off the boat, you gave them the film. But I'm not going to talk about what I was taking pictures of, but I can tell you that um, of the pictures I did take for the Navy that I can tell you about, they involved uh, nuclear submarines uh, surfacing in San Francisco Bay, most commonly, for the Navy. So did you get any UFO pictures or USO? I didn't get any UFO pictures. USO? Uh, things that are, for things that are flying, I did a job for the United States Army. Um, I was uh, a temporary photojournalist for the 126th Air Medevac Wing under Major George Warner at Mather Air Force Base in the 90s. Um, and I think I flew a total of, I don't know, 12 times, 13 times maybe. My dad flew probably 30 times on that job. That's the only things I've taken pictures of flying that I was in something that was flying. I don't like flying. <laughs> uh, so, very interesting. So you were in a UFO? <laughs> that's, that's a negative. I was never in a UFO <laughs> that I'm aware of. <laughs> I I just had to say it. <laughs> I, just, I had to say it. I can't I can tell you that I'm one of the few remaining people on the planet that's driven a PT boat. <laughs> For those that people that don't know, that's a World War II uh, military Navy small boat made famous by John Kennedy because he was a skipper of one of those. Oh, you mean like the the one in the show with Ernest Borgnine? Yeah. I've been yeah. on that boat. I have <laughs> driven that boat. Must have been PT sweet. Six, yeah, PT-694. <laughs> wow. I guess I guess you'd remember that if it was what you... Th yeah. I'm thinking, Once oh, you turn the wheel, you never forget. <laughs> Very responsive, hey? No, it's just one of those, it's a touchy-feely kind of thing. You know, Walt, we were just talking about with Walt, neither one of us were there when Anastasi left uh, Arizona, but I can definitely tell you I touched the wheel of the PT-73 under power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Ever used uh, the torpedoes? No, that's a negative. <laughs> they, don't, they don't give people that do museum boats live toys, and when they do, they <laughs> want us to tell them really fast, um, we got, we're, or you weren't with us. Yeah, we were on the Coast Guard cutter one time when, uh, and we were transporting it from one location to another when another Coast Guard boat showed up to, to red light us and pull us over, which was kind of funny because we were 72 feet with a 20 mil on the front and, and he was on a 35 surf boat with a couple of machine guns. We, we moved over anyway and then he came aboard and he said, nice boat. <laughs> escorted us for a while. <laughs> That's when Bob, he used to, um, with his brothers, he used to run a boat, a historical boat museum. Boat museum. Yeah. So they have, they got all these boats donated to him, um, like the Coast Guard Cutter um, and the PT, they had a PT, two PT boats? Well, one time we had yeah. two, yeah. 
And um, one of the Coast Guard cutters, he actually made me drive on our, I think it was our second date. It was 83 feet. I'd never driven a boat before. And they just handed me the wheel and they said, uh, we're taking on water. Just drive straight. We'll, we're going to fix this. <laughs> so. We did tell her, we did tell her you're moving really slow. You'll have lots of time before you hit anything. <laughs> You've had a, a lot good, of uh, to remember. Yeah, you've had a lot of different types of jobs there, haven't you? Oh yeah, uh, it, it it gets pretty insane. But it's, and it, it's weird because around the house, there's there's very few things to trigger it. So if somebody comes in, they look at it and they go, "Oh, you were in the military," and I'm like, "No." Oh, look at all these! Look at all these movie stars. You work with these people? Nah, not, nah, none of those. You know, because I don't, I don't have pictures or hardly anything that I did for like thirty years. Because I was taking all the pictures for somebody else. Oh yeah. To me. <laughs> but yeah, I've done a few things. Yeah, you remember those those times of the photographs were just amazing. You yeah. Know, now, now everybody's got those digital cameras and take pictures of everything. But back then, it was an art. Yeah, it's it's great for business, but it's like you said that you know somebody had to be the family photographer. Somebody had the brownies. Somebody had the Polaroid, whatever it was. I think it was more fun. Well, you know, yeah. my dad, my dad gave me a camera when I was ten years old, and now I'm thinking about back about it. I think he didn't like being the photographer, so he bought me a camera, and I was it. <laughs> yeah, when Dad would take pictures, we'd only take pictures of, like, Easter, because everybody was dressed up nice, you know, with their Easter bonnets. And I got to tell you, one of the funniest things that ever happened to me in my life, they had some of the old uh, slides put together, so like on a video, and there was video too, but, you know, they made these little video presentations from when we were kids. We were adults at that time. And, of course, because it, there were so many Easter pictures, every Easter bonnet I had looked like a UFO, like a flying saucer. <laughs> it was It was unbelievable. I mean, I didn't think of it at the time, but by God... Every single one of them looked like a flying saucer. I mean, I think so. So if it's boring. not so if it's not Easter, the rest of the year, you guys look like a tribe of uh, Appalachian kids. Yeah, basically, it was all hand me downs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I didn't because I was the oldest, so I got the new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're at break time here, so let's uh, play Hunter Hayes Invisible. Okay, it's four minutes. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Say What Show. It is February 19th, 2022. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard, Walt Silva, and Bob and Yasmin West. The ventures into the Bohemian Grove. <laughs> Scary place. Okay, you guys back? Hello, hello? Yep. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. here. Okay. Bob's feeding the dog. <laughs> oh, okay. Very important. Yeah. Um, okay, can, so... Can we nominate... Is there a, is there a, some production crew or something where we can nominate Jasmine and Bob for a reality show? I would see that. 
we we both are very adventurous. (laughs) (laughs) It would be exciting. (laughs) You know, I got to tell you, for some reason, uh, well, I I kind of like thought there's so many things in the uh, area of California up there where you are that do have magical properties to them. I mean, not maybe Bohemian Grove, not in the way we like, but you've got the Mount Shasta. And Derek just did this major trip thing, you know, traveling around in the truck. And he got into a parking area that was so that he could look out the the window and see Mount Shasta, right? And it was, the cab was so crammed of stuff that it was, he couldn't get comfortable. And he said, this isn't going to work. So he managed to crawl. He's, now, this truck is like a pickup truck, right? And it's got this big canopy thing, you know, like canvas is the way I, I saw it. He managed to crawl up there into that cat, the bed of the of the truck under the canvas in a sleeping bag. But he was sleeping on tons and tons and tons of minerals. <laughs> in, oh, in, wow. view, in view of Mount Shasta. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and this guy... Nice, hard, nice soft bed. Well, that's what I was. I was like, "Oh my God!" I, I, I mean, I, that just didn't, I, I, I couldn't imagine. But he said he. I hardly have ever seen Derek really kind of excited about something, but he kept wanting to tell me how 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 amazing that was. You know, apparently it was amazing. <laughs> the the energy in Mount Shasta is very very calming, and it, yeah, it just it kind of reminds me of when I um I have a a shungite uh oh what do you call them um they're harmonizers so they're they're kind of they're cylindrical so one is made out of shungite and one is made just out of a soapstone and they you hold them and i i hold them when i meditate and they kind of reset the electrical charge in the in your body you can actually feel it um I can always feel it circulating through my body and I've, I've tested it with other people and they feel the same thing, but that's how I feel when I go up to Mount Shasta. It's like the, the electrical current just resets in my body. (laughs) Allow me to translate for the older gentleman listening on the program today. It's like whiskey and a John Wayne movie. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I love this state and it does have so many nice places that are so magical. And that's why I'm not too eager to leave it. <laughs> What's the name what of Pop? Made okay. Mouse Shasta so magical in the first place? What makes it so magical? Location, location, location. Um, oh. Actually, well. Okay, that means have problems. It's location. It's beautiful. It's on the ring. It's on the edge of the ring of fire, or what some people might call the uh, Pacific tectonic plate, and where the two plates met and created a volcano. It left Mount Hood and Mount Shasta, and potentially other volcanoes along California. And it's in upper California, which means it's at a higher elevation, which means it's cooler. So instead of being 
120 in the summertime. It could be like 104 kind of deal. It gets a beautiful coat of white snow on it that cleans it every year. And it's got to be sitting on so many freaking minerals that I possibly couldn't cover them all because its volcanic activity was huge and strong for a long time. So a lot of shit got, can I say shit? A lot of stuff got coughed up. Um, So it's stuck in the ground around there. And all these places have filled in all these meadows um, that get their warmth from the mountain. Um, As you look up them, they're, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 football fields up and they're 10 or 12 across. And there's hundreds of them around Shasta for you to center your mind in. And the, there's a place uh, that where the Sacramento River originates, and you can actually get fresh water, like, straight out of the rocks. And that little trickle coming out of the rocks is what feeds into the Sacramento River. And so people go up there all the time and fill their water jugs with um, the fresh spring water coming out. It's from the s- snow melt, so it's really pure. And I've thrown Shungite nuggets in that area, and I'm sure Derek has as well. <laughs> Did that answer Dolly's question? There's there's a lot of people that practice a lot of energy work up there too, Dolly. Um, you know. Oh, I know. I just wondered how did it how did it start to be uh, like from creation. What made this certain mountain the special spiritual place to go? And, and uh, they answered it. Yes, thank you. So, so geologically speaking, if you were on foot, you didn't have transportation, you didn't have industry, you didn't have any of that. We'll go back to our times of the first people, the Native Americans, the people crossing the ice bridge. That would have been the only warm spot in the wintertime. So it would have had hot springs around it, much like the lower part of Lake Davo does. Um, because of its volcanic activity, all of the animals would have been in that neighborhood. Um, so they would have been um, surviving there through the winters, um, which would have made it a, a reasonable place to stay as a Native American and not having a lot of industry. Uh, that area would be not so bad. It's kind of odd that the most violent of the Native American tribes of California, the Modoc, um, aren't actually too far away from that. They're uh, 160 miles or so from that in another very warm spot of California. And it's got great energy, too. It really does. (laughs) It just, and I think that, um, that's what you're saying. The view. The view yeah. is incredible. View, yeah. You get up on that thing and you just look out and you're just going, when does it stop? Right? And it just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what are, do you know the brief history of the Native Americans in that area? Because it's one of those things that I don't know too much about the Native tribes in the area. Were there many of them or are they some kind of, a, you know all similar what's the background of the native american well there's a lot in all of california different yeah, tribes so, 
I, I could get this wrong, but I'll try not to. It's either 26 or 29 base tribes in California that's, that were recognized. And then these tribes have been of late grouped up into uh, bands and around here we call them rancherias because of our previous history with Mexico and calling them rancheros. Um, we have what they call rancheria band of Indians that have shot off. But for the most part, the, the native Californians that settled here, uh, according to the Russians and the Spanish that got here and didn't exploit them all, um, were pretty peaceful and willing to trade. And that uh, was most noticed around the Bay Area. The area that we call Central California was known as an inland sea. Uh, it was flooded over most of the times during the summer. Um, sometimes passable, sometimes not passable, but um, if you knew a route in a canoe, you could probably uh, move your way through it. It wasn't until uh, Chinese labor came along that you have the islands that you have now. Um, Southern California, desert, a lot of desert. And then down from San Diego to Yuma, you have a really strong and different type of Native American presence because the Native Americans along the border of California and Mexico fought against the conquistadores and stopped their uh, penetration of what we know as the United States. And it's kind of odd that they did that because, again, there was only one known warring tribe in California for a long time. So it tells you uh, a lot about the Native Americans' attitude was, as long as you don't mess with us, we'll get along. Um, but they uh, obviously didn't think about it with the conquistadores. They recognized the problem that they were going to have. And they put all their effort into uh, sending them back into Mexico, and they were successful of it. And they're still incredibly, if you go onto a Viejas band or the uh, uh, Saquon is how I pronounce it. That's not correct. It's like Kakan, a uh, band of Indians. They're incredibly proud of that history. Well, having been watching uh, After Oak Island, a TV series where people are hunting for different treasures, uh, one of them being the, um, the, the treasure from Montezuma that came up into the Utah area. But according to <clears throat> what I've been hearing in the history of that area is that the conquistadors, and Spanish in particular, were out looking for mines, silver and gold mines. And when they'd find them, they would essentially force the Native Americans to do the mining. And after this had happened a number of times, the Native Americans finally revolted, and the Spanish went running back to Mexico. But before they left, they camouflaged the mines, and the Native Americans, they don't, they don't care about gold and silver type of thing, you know. So it kind, they got lost to history, and this is what they're hunting: is these mines that they know were there from Spanish documents. So it might have been that they had a real good reason to upright, you know, to get a little pissed off. Right. We know that we know that Spanish conquestor uh, conquistadores moved up into New Mexico, what we call New Mexico, and possibly into Texas and. And they could have gotten as far as what you're talking about up there in Utah and stuff like that. I just, I find it 
you know, when I worked down on the eight with a couple of the bands down there, I found it really just interesting how, uh, how proud they were of it. I mean, they, you know, they had ch- shirts on that said protecting the border since 1600, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of neat, you know, um, what really gets me though, when you're talking about trying to find a mine, not like Oak Island, let's just talk about a mine that an older gold mine wouldn't be what we think of now. Like when you go to Oakman, California, there's a gold mine outside of Oakman. It's a very square building with two runs of fence around it and a bunch of cars parked on the inside and everything they do, you do not see. And in the days of the con, you know, the conquistadors and the native Americans at that point, um, I don't know what we're using for a shovel. We're probably digging with a hand pick and a small hammer and the door to the thing's probably no bigger than 10 by 10. So trying to find a 10 by 10 spot in the middle of New Mexico might be rather tough. <laughs> and that's why they haven't found it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, it, treasure hunting is can be fun. And, the, and you're absolutely correct. You know, they're looking for a, a small opening. They're not looking for a big one. Yeah. And, but, you know, hey, maybe, maybe. Yeah, X marks the spot, right? Isn't that what Harrison Ford says? Well, I tell you, Oak Island is uh, on the verge of something big. They've already got a second show running (laughs) after Oak Island. I mean, you know, they've got this huge, huge... uh, digger that they're putting down there they actually i don't even know it's it's i don't know how big it is it's well over 10 feet in diameter and they bored down and they they're into wood they're at 60 75 feet i think and they're into wood which means that they've either got a tunnel or the cavity that was considered the money pit and they think it could be the money pit because they've dug down there with much smaller things and pulled up stuff like paper, you know, leather. Because the the supposition was it wasn't just gold and silver, it was treasures. Somebody thinks that maybe it's the uh, original volume of Shakespeare, stuff like that. That's oh, wow. You mean one of the Shakespeare's? Say again, or one of the, <laughs> yeah, one of them. But, um... The reason that everybody knows that there's something down there and nobody has any doubts anymore is that after all this time, some scientists said, you know, you can test the water to see if there's any silver and gold particles in it, and then you'll know where to dig because the water's got the gold and silver. And uh, this particular area had so much uh, ions in in the testing procedure that they, the question was, is this a, a shovel full of gold and silver, or is this a steam shovel full of, you know, and they said, oh, this is, you know, a Volkswagen full of gold and silver. And it's huge, it's a huge amount to get that kind of reading in the water. So that's why they know there's something down there. That's why they're going big time. I mean, this rig itself has to be three, four, five hundred dollars, a million dollars. I saw the ones that they were telling us were a million dollars just to get the rig there. And these things are much bigger than those things. So big time money going into it. Something's, yeah. something's down there. I've always felt that 
that and I haven't say I always felt, but I've come to think that there is a potential story that the Templars were responsible for it, and there's so much Templar evidence, you know, that that that's driving the plot right now, and that and and these people, you know, like could have done the building that was required to do to sabotage everybody trying to get in there. They got a trap that if you get down so long and you're close to where the treasure is, you'll intersect a system that pours ocean water in on top of you. So it's been it's just been a, an amazing adventure, but the Templars were very kind of spiritual and religious, and Ani Avedisian, uh, she had a prior lifetime as a Templar. And I think that maybe whatever's down there can't be found until the world is ready for whatever's down there. And so it's, it's sort of like when we get through this BS takeover of the world, when you know, the good finally defeats the dark, uh, they'll find what's at the end of the Oak Island <laughs> treasure hunt. That's Some people have said that they think it's the Ark. The, Ark of the Covenant. What do you call it? Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, but some people do. Well, I would not be surprised if it wasn't there. Okay, well, every loyal person on the planet knows that the Ark of the Covenant is in a warehouse in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, like the Smithsonian basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, you believe anything is possible yeah. after you see that basement. I've worked for the yeah. trust me. <laughs> well, the Vatican, if you think about the basement in the Vatican. Oh, my goodness. The, the, the secrets in that place for history, oh, man, not good. I mean, I can't, I can't remember what the fact, the figure I heard, but you know, I mean, like, hundred miles of of essentially books, and you know, down there. I mean, it's like there's so there's so much of it, you go nuts. You know, it's like, oh, did I just get a feedback? Or was that Walt? I didn't hear it. Walt. Walt. Oh. I'm, I'm quiet as a, as a mouse. I'm not talking. Nobody here. There's no, no sound. No, nothing. Weird. Oh, that was. You heard it, Dolly. Dolly. Yeah. That might have been. That, that might have been us. I did. I, I heard it. No. It was. I it, heard it like Nancy did. Yeah. It was. It was weird. Maybe it's the popcorn eaters. <laughs> <laughs> Hello out there. I, I wouldn't put anything past them. <laughs> okay, so you know, Nancy, uh, say again, Nancy. You were, talk, you were talking about secrets um, and the Vatican's secrets, and it reminded me of a movie. Uh, Nineteen eighty-six. The name of the rose was Sean Connery and Christian Slater's debut. Wow. Yeah, I wow. remember that film. What's the name of it? The name of the rose. The name of the rose? Yes. It explains the secrets and thoughts 
behind the Inquisition, maybe? Is that right, Walt? Well, man, man was not... Uh, what did the old monk say? Oh, that man is not meant to laugh like a monkey. And Sean Connery well, says... Don't but... <laughs> <laughs> danger, danger. Um, but kind of kind of up that same line. What secrets are we hiding? So in case you're interested, travel back in time. 1986, Sean Connery, Christian Slater, Name of the Rose. Okay, here's my plug. Uh, at least that's one something honest about the, the film is uh, how much sex these monks had. Homosexuality was a way of life. Here they, they you know, they're, they're trying to deny all the crap. I mean, I've only seen I this was, thing twice. I don't remember that. <laughs> I. I was living uh, in New York. I was working in IT. I, I did that job for 11 years. And I remember the very first time an article showed up in the New York Times uh, about the um, a priest that was uh, on trial for molestation. And it's like, and and I and I looked at my bosses because it's just a father and son business, very small business. And I said. This is new to you, and he goes. He goes because they were talking. They are so aghast. Um, this is a Jewish family, by the way. They're not. They're not Catholic. And I said, "This is as old as time." Uh, I mean, uh, my my father knew what was going on. Uh, that, that's why I never got. I, I never got baptized. My father left it up to me to decide when I grew up if I wanted it or not. Because he 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 was aware of so much crap in the church, and yet these for these guys it was like a brand new discovery, and I, and he says this is like old hat to you, and I said yeah I know about all this crap, and for them they never never experienced any of that stuff that it was new to them, so it was like they just discovered America or something, and I said oh no this is very old stuff, I mean I, I my father. Um, One of the many anecdotes he had, because he went to a Catholic school, and uh, the school was attached to a convent, and one of the nuns was a, a young girl, I don't know, in her 20s or something, and uh, they said, oh, sister so-and-so, she was uh, under the weather, she was ill, that's why she's bedridden. And then uh, the girls from the school... Um, I don't know what you call it in English. In, in these very old houses, they had like a like an opening on the at the top of the. You have these very tall doors, and at the very top there's a a, an, a, a segment that's made of glass, and you open it, and it was the way ventil ventilation would get into the room. So these girls climb on top of that, so in order to be able to see what what was going on. And they saw that the the nun was in the bed, she without her habit, obviously, and there was a little baby next to her. The reason she wasn't going doing going about her business is because she gave birth, and it turns out that the father was a was one of the priests. So that this was the kind of stuff my father was seeing. He was he, my father was born in 1930, so his memories go back to that time and. That's why he never wanted to to anything to do with the with the church because he knew the kind of stuff they did, and they knew how dangerous it was for kids. Uh, so, sorry, I, I strayed from the subject. 
Well, <laughs> yes and no. Me about the film. Yeah, you yeah you did sort of that, but um, it comes into something that I think we have to mention because this concept that it was known for so long is so damaging to people's psyche that for all those years you didn't know the priests were doing this you know and it was in plain sight I remember seeing a movie I don't remember the name of it or the people or anything like like Walt does but it was about the Boston Diocese when it finally started being revealed by a reporter and at one point, the reporter's interviewing a priest, and he says, why didn't you make this known to people? And the priest said, I did. I sent you, you, you know, a report on this. Are you talking about movie Sleepers? I don't remember the name of it. I don't even remember who was in it, but it was a very good movie. <laughs> but it was, it was that it was out there. People know this stuff. But they don't confront this stuff. And so it just perpetuates. You know, oh, I'm not going to be the one that blows the whistle. You know, I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the one. Well, right now, in Canada, you have a situation where I'll, I'll go with Jan, that Canada is acting out what's already happened to us in a, in a very awful way. Um. It's it's it, Trudeau has taken over the government, closed down the parliament. He's activated the police. I just spent I don't know how long watching live presentation of the people, the the truckers. Now the truckers are in Parliament Hill in Canada, in Ottawa, and they had been showing up in this one area. Well, when they got there today, now I, this is what I'm supposing happened based on what I saw. When they got there today, the police were there, and it wasn't police. This is paramilitary. It's got to be or military. These were very, very spooky, you know, stormtrooper types. With and the equipment they had was uh, pretty intense. So you had these. When I when I finally got to it, the live presentation, which was oddly enough, from I think RT uh, uh, Russian television. I think that's who where it was coming from because there was a warning about RT being funded by the Russians. <laughs> and, you know, somebody in the Trudeau uh, group said that this was all Russian-backed. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. I mean, I, the insanity of what they say is is just getting stupider and stupider. Um, but the truckers were, hold the line, hold the line, hold the line. And there was an elderly woman, an elderly gentleman, um, there were the, the, the most the most astounding part of the, the video that I did watch was this one guy who just got so pissed off that he started swearing at him and within a minute somebody was beside him saying to and the, the RT guy's filming the, he's in the crowd he can't move so you're only seeing a portion of the crowd and and you know within a minute there was somebody beside him saying we don't do this and the and the guy says i know i'm just so angry and he says we understand we understand but we don't do this okay okay just breathe just breathe i mean this was what the and the, and then it, another section of it had the the crowd singing amazing grace and you have these police officers that 
are moving forward inch by inch. It was freaky. I, I couldn't figure out who was winning the hold the line thing. And then I realized after watching it for a while that these police officers were winning, but they were doing it an inch by inch. Um, and then later on, uh, I found out that, I'm not exactly sure when, but they had sent some uh, mounted police in there. And one woman was apparently, well, she was in like one of those you can't walk things. I don't even know what they call them. More like a bicycle thing, you know. And uh, motorized, motorized chair. Motorized chair. And the story is that she, this bicycle got thrown at the horse. She was on it, and they just ran and trampled her and another person. And nobody's actually sure. You know, are they all right? Supposedly, yes, they are. But who knows? You know that type of thing. So the the militant aspect of what's happening in the streets is pretty freaky. They have arrested the um, the two organizers of it, a woman and a man, and other people are getting apparently arrested. It's not a very thank God that the the protesters, the truckers, the people that are there, are still policing themselves not to react. I mean, they were they were pre- pepper spraying the first three or four lines of the line that were right in front of them, pepper spraying them. And, you know, one guy whips off his mask and, and he's got a protective mask. You know, I mean, like a face covering mask. And he gets it off and he wipes off the thing and he says to the person next to him, can you help me put this back on? There were people that got it right in the face. They took something, wiped it off, turned around. and I mean, it was like the bravery of the people confronting the police in a non-violent way was just heart-wrenching. And so, so what I so did... Nancy, yeah. What, there was no looting, right? No. There was, there was no rock throwing or bottle can throwing or stabs being beaten onto the police. There was there was nothing of what you'd see like you'd see at, say, a rally in Houston or Baltimore or Atlanta or Sacramento with Antifa or BLM. There's none of that. None of that. Because the Canadians have been under this rule of thumb probably for the last 10 years, and they're done. The truckers are the tip of the iceberg. It's what you can't see. Below them, it's huge. It vibrates all the way to Vancouver. Well, let me tell you. are done. Well, let me tell you what's happening. They they called for a retreat, okay? So they, and they, they told them where to go. Just, you know, let's just retreat. Now, the reason they did that is because the, and this is the black side blowing up again, right? Because they've gone into this really totalitarian environment, the rest of Canada is standing up. And apparently, there's more people on their way to Ottawa than are in Ottawa. And they're supposed to arrive, the first, first of them will arrive tomorrow. And and a bunch of, I think it's like up to five now, I'm not sure, but five different, or a number of different provinces in Canada have gotten rid of the mandate, you know, and told Trudeau, this is crazy, you've got to stop this. The parliament, I, I, I 
I'm not going to play it, but I had a 24-minute presentation by a member of parliament who is talking about the fact that they were shut down and prevented from debating what they've got to vote on on Monday, which is, does he have these powers? See, he, he's assumed the powers, is using the powers, but he doesn't have any legal right to the powers. So this is a, an, you know, a complete takeover of totalitarianism within Canada. Unfortunately, if you look at it, he's, he's just been forced to shut down the parliament. Now he'll say because of the dangers of the, you know, whatever. But he shut down parliament. Our legal system has been shut down for at least two years. You know, they have not been working at all. What, what what have they given us? They've given us these big bills that put us into a massive inflationary spiral. That's it. What else have they done? Nothing. So Trudeau gets up there and he declares this emergency and takes all these dictatorial powers. And then you have a situation in America where Biden gets in and the first thing he does is start writing these executive orders. None of those executive orders will stand if the legislature says they won't. Nothing has been done to stop a takeover of one individual, whether he's being controlled or not. Okay? So we've already had this situation occur here, silently. But the Canadian situation is making me look at it again and say, holy crap. You know? And it goes back to, you know, yes, in, the, in November, could it all be turned around in a legal election? Yes, if it's a fair election. Right, and so the problem, the problem we have now is that like 21% of America, regardless of your political belief, do not believe in our, electrical, our electoral system or our election process. I still believe in the process. I just don't like the way it's being run. In other words, when states like Ohio mail out, oh, 700,000 mail-in ballot ballots to people willy-nilly without checking to see if they're on their address and that's against their state constitution, I've got a problem with that. And that's what makes me not trust our system. Up there... They don't have that luxury. It's not the system. It's the people. Because they're not right. following the rules. All the problems that occurred in 2020, regardless of the, the digital in- interference, but all of the other rules, it was because they weren't, pay- they weren't following their own rules. The system, in this case, the electoral system, is not broken. It's the people that have decided that they're not going to pay any attention to any law. It doesn't apply to me. I do what I want to do. That's the attitude of these people. And, you know, sorry about that. That's not going to work. Now, I want to play this. um, It's only two minutes and three. Oh, wait a minute. Where is it? Okay, it's it's just about three three minutes. It was, it's today. This, This trucker got in his truck. He says, I just have to vent. Or he didn't say vent, but I have to get this off my chest. And I want you to hear what, I'm not, don't know who he is. He just it was up on the YouTube and no identification. But I want you to feel what these truckers are feeling right now. Hi everyone. Okay, just gonna get this off my chest. So now that we've watched this day go down in Ottawa, 
Uh, let's think about how we got here, okay? A couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, a group of people wanted to come out and have a conversation with the government and ask why they needed to be mandated for something that is clearly proving not to be working and it doesn't have a very good track record. And our government ignored those people and basically pushed it to where it is today. We've been out here peacefully united for two weeks. The whole world's seen it. And we still have governments telling us to social distance, wear masks, do your part, get your injection, or you're not allowed in society. You're, you're not worthy. You're not healthy enough you're 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 the sick okay so today we're watching peace officers dressed up with cotton over their faces wool over their faces 10 below we can see it okay we're not we're not talking n95s here the only ones i've seen with real respirators on are the cops with the rubber bullet guns and the scatter shields ready to take people down in case the unruly but we're not even talking about social distancing we're not even talking about masks and unmasks anymore it they're showing the world this has nothing to do with that this is a tyrannical government it's a government overreach that's on a global wide scale and we're out here doing this for people that are still egging cars and flipping us the bird and they what, what is wrong with everybody like anyway i gotta get that off my chest so i don't know be safe please just get this out to people and i don't know what it's gonna take for people to wake up but i don't know i don't know i'm running out of I'm running out of options here. I'm running out of answers. It's insane. It is insane what is happening in our country right now. And we got people more concerned about watching the hockey game or their fantasy football. I'm just so disappointed. Okay. Bye, everybody. So that's what our American... Friends, I mean, our Canadian friends are feeling up there in Ottawa. Any comments? Welcome to Argentina. <laughs> Unfortunately, this, these people. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be deliberately sarcastic. It's just that I can't help myself. These people, like like my bosses in New York who were waking up to the fact that, yes, for a century or more, the church has been violating young children, and they were just just discovering it then. This is the uh, late 90s when it, it, that happened. Well, now people are discovering the it's, it's a horrible thing to discover, but you're discovering that your country is Argentina. You do you hear the emotion in his voice? That was my voice every year that I lived in Argentina. That was my me. That was me talking 
I know it's a Canadian gentleman who spoke in that recording. That could have been me, because that's what I said every single day. Like the, like the talking to the guys in in high school when when I would go to class every night. Uh, learn to think. Wake up. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing that? As I I, I was a conspiracy buff way before the concept. I don't think even before the concept was invented, at least over there. <laughs> but that sound in his voice, that that uh, frustration, that sense of powerlessness, where is this going? That was me every single day. I'm not trying to be funny. It's just, um, it's, it's amazing to hear. It's like a, a part of me got projected through time and it's, it's back saying the, th the same things I said back back in high school. Well, when I was watching the live presentation between the Hold the Line people, um, I'm looking at the the police officers, and so and I'm, I'm you know really focusing on them. I'm I'm focusing. Let's put it that way. And I started to do a chant of "Wake up, wake up, wake up," and all of a sudden I get like, uh, "That's not going to work." It's Gaia. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay, why? <laughs> Because you're infringing on free will. And so we had the conversation that you and I have had how many thousands of hours, you know, of conversation on the on this. Um, but she was absolutely, well, she was, of course, right. It was an infringement on their decision as human beings, whether to go along with the messaging or to, you know, listen to, because one of the other things about the group is that as they were disbanding, some of them stayed and very, very politely, very forcefully, but uh, not loudly, you know, just in a good voice, a projected voice, were telling them, this is what's wrong here. Wake up, wake up, look at this. Can't you see this? And, you know, you'd see different ones have a... And the cops, you could see the cop or whoever they were, you could see that they were actually listening, you know? Um, but the thing of it is, is that what she explained... Well, we had this conversation. And what it comes down to is that Whereas we don't, I didn't have the right to say to these police officers that I had visually my eyes on because I was looking at the video, um, wake up. I didn't have that right. It's a freedom of will. It's a freedom of, you know, and the, the exact reason they're standing there doing that. But I had the right to stop the energy form, the wave of mental control that those people were under because they were under assault and they did not know it. And I had every right in the world to stop that. So then I focused on the control mechanisms that we know are out there, you know, the, the mind control that these cops are under. Remember, every one of those cops in all of those uniforms were 5G You realize that, right? They're all 5G. And I could tell you... Wait, study wait, Nancy. The uniforms themselves are 5G? Yeah, all that communications that they've got in them. It's 5G. Oh. They've had it for quite a while now. They, they first brought it out in, um, in England. 
uh, which, you know, Mark Steele was on top of it right away. And the police officers that were engaged in this particular version of it uh, had a lot, a lot of physical and mental uh, repercussions because of it. And that was a few years ago. I, I guarantee you they're 5G'd. So, they, so with the 5G signal, they're under control. Now, they wouldn't know it, you know, but I know it. So at that point, I focused on that control the, the, at the quantum level, the wave of control, and that's what I collapsed. And I, I find that technique to be very, very powerful. Because all you're doing is you're going down to the quantum physical level and making an energetic change. So I just wanted to throw that one out. And um, so on Monday, the parliament is supposed to (laughs) convene and vote yay or nay on these extraordinary, I mean, private citizens. And they have, Jan covered this very efficiently in, in her show, they have, in fact, um, targeted bank accounts. They, they, you know, just freeze your accounts. You can't do anything with it. And if it's permanent, they're going to take your money, um, which apparently they could do if they want to do it. But anyway, uh, under his decree. But they've also threatened the United States citizens. Forty percent of those that uh, donated to the, um, to the truckers seem to have been U.S. Uh, people and they, they, the Canadians, the Canadian government is threatening the bank accounts of United States citizens for supporting a non, well, I believe it's a nonprofit, but a, a protest for everybody in the world's freedom. You know, I mean, this is they, they, they're moving very rapidly because they're being forced into it. Because I don't even see how they have authority over the U.S. bank accounts. I don't either. I'm not going to say anything into it. What? What, do, what you're not going to say? What is it? <laughs> but I, I, I love Canada. Believe me when I say this. I dig it. I, I feel for every citizen in the country. But as an American citizen, no offense, guys, I'm not that threatened by you. <laughs> it's... It's not business, it's personal. <laughs> well, yeah, but if they've, they're they in cahoots with the U.S. federal government, then, you know. Well, they have to be. They yeah. have to be. Well, of course they are. <laughs> right. They want world right. control. <laughs> this is, right. Right, this now, is... right now, you have to be because the, the other side of the world wants to shoot at each other and has been doing it for eight years. And all of a sudden, a third of our country became enlightened about the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. I mean, god dang. We have to group up because we've seen what happens when ships don't come in from China. And the the, the funny thing we're talking about is we've only talked about the U.S. supply chain problems. Let's talk about Canada. Let's talk about 90% of every solar panel sold in the United States comes through the port of Vancouver first. And it comes from China. When when oil gets above $75 a barrel, they turn on the oil sands in Canada and they start 
trying to get oil out of it again because it becomes economically viable. And right now, Canada is making a surplus, a gut of oil, and cannot sell it to China, cannot sell it to Russia, and can't sell it to us. Thank you, Joe Biden. So I'm hoping the Canadians are enjoying low gas prices, and I'm sure they're not because their government is not going to give them a break. Uh, so, Dolly, you got anything else to mention or wanted to question, or are you there? <laughs> I'm here. You doing all right? I I was watching, yeah, uh, yeah. I was watching. Um, I think it was Ancient Aliens. One <clears throat> of the shows like that. <laughs> Sorry, every time I talk, I. Coffin. Um, but they were showing how um, a couple of uh, a couple of peoples ago from from the the human race as it is now were experimented on with with DNA type stuff and how their uh, they were genetically altered like we are being altered today and it just it correlated to me what is going on today because once you get this crap in your system that they're putting in your system you're kind of doomed and you're going to be turned into this different genetic thing and I'm just wondering well okay uh, the way things are going is it going to be better to be a new developed whatever or is it better to be non poisoned and uh, just just keep your your system the way it is it really made me stop and think, which way do you want to be? And I just wanted to throw that out. Well, I know the answer for me. <laughs> yeah, I I know my answer. Well, do you think do you think that if you get modified, it's going to be modified for your benefit or the benefit of your masters? Probably not. <laughs> See, I. But I don't want to be modified. Never do I want to be modified. And in my world, I feel bad for those who were modified that did not understand what was going on. But for those who did understand, well, that was their choice. That's the choice they made. But uh, it, it just, every once in a while, it really bothers me and then then I go through a stage where I say yeah, everybody makes their own decisions it's up to them so, I don't know where I stand I know I'm very glad I'm not going to be modified I will take lead over the prick and poison Amen I that You know I was thinking about this and it's sort of like I, I there's a person who's about to, to walk in front of a bus and you say to them, there's a bus coming. And they look at you and they said, oh, you're a liar. 
without looking and checking to see if there's a bus and then walk out into the street. That's that's what they did. You know, their decision. All we were saying to anybody that would listen to us, what were we saying? Please, do your research. Don't listen to us. Do your research. And we would say, don't don't take our word for anything. Right. Always do your research, especially in this case. Yep, but they didn't even bother to look to see if the bus was coming. Yeah. No, they they actually hated us for pointing it out. (laughs) Yep, yep. Weird. It's like that poor man said. It's probably what you felt, Walt, in Argentina. Yeah. It's like... I mean, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at at, at, the, at the. I'm looking at the earth, at the eighties. So I'm, I'm, we're still going on on this. So it's it's not like it's a new thing. And what you're talking about now, uh, people would rather die than give up their belief systems. That that's a that's a known fact. I mean, somebody would you know they would they would take a, a bullet. Or they would accept being having a, a an, an arm cut off or a leg cut off, than have to question their belief systems. That's that's how strongly they're so they're so deeply programmed. I mean, they they cannot tolerate a, a a story or a version of the truth different from what they believe is true. They they rather they rather die. <laughs> they they cannot tolerate that's exactly the idea what that. I- just said, Walt. <laughs> exactly. I would rather take lead, a bullet, <laughs> than take that poisonous shit that will that has changed their being forever. Yeah. According that's, to that's, the doctors that I've listened that's, to, that's, that that's what I'm saying. Is that there are the there's that the people on the other side of that? You're on. You're. On, I I think you're on the right side because obviously, you you want to be as natural as nature made you. So I'm I'm with you, but unfortunately, there are, there are people that have the same strength of belief, but they're on the other side. They believe that oh, they, whatever so they the they can they can they can, the they can, is telling them they can right. stay so, with they can stay with the old reality, and we're going to get on with the new reality, and we're just going <laughs> to collapse all that control crapola, and we're going to say good night. You want to say good night, please, Walt? Good night, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. Yes, yeah, take care. Bob? Good good night, everyone. We'll say it's Bob's ghost stories for next time. Good night, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week. I didn't know we had ghost stories. But we had oh, a good yeah. We I missed think, it. I think we, had, I think we had a good show. We certainly covered a lot of different subjects. Say good night, Dolly. Good night, everybody. <laughs> okay, and we will see you next time. Uh, what is today? Saturday. See you Tuesday. We'll start the live shows again. Be safe, everybody, and um, collapse the thought control around everybody. Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong.